are you? What's going on? It's been a while, isn't it? I know. I know. Life gets in the way sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, crazy. Crazy. Uh, What's been going on? How are you guys doing? Not much, man. You know, it is. For the the listeners that are tuning in, uh, probably not anybody live right now because we just went live, but for the listeners that log on to the podcast, we've had a couple of weeks off. Um, I had to travel home due to a death in the family. We've also had a family visiting other people, people doing fun stuff. So we just haven't had time. Uh, lots of things have just got in the way. However, uh, if you really wanted to hear our voices, um, there's about 32 games from last season you could have listened to uh, for the Norwich one, um, considering <laughs> it was basically peak potable from last year, um, where they just dominated, had like 30 shots, scored none, and were disappointing. Um, so if you ever wanted to go back and listen to one, just pick one at random. Um, other than that, how how have you two been? How have you spent your last three weeks? I'm doing a lot. Um, <laughs> I, I had so the first time I sort of I had my parents over and I, I was entertaining quite a lot. Now that people can travel again, um, so so that's very nice. Um, and then I ended up going on holiday last week, which was also very nice. So I, I can't complain too much. Where did you go? Uh, I went to New Orleans. So um, actually, one of my really good friends works on. Um, one of the cruise ships that go out of the Mississippi River. So um, I hadn't seen him in a few years. So I thought, why not? And just go on a cruise. It sounds very, very old of me, but it was actually really, really good. Sounds good to me. Adam, what about you? I've just been, you know, keeping a baby ticking, ticking along, you know. <laughs> uh, outside of that, aside from the yesterday's game, I've been enjoying not watching Brighton play football. That's kind of, that's been kind of nice because I think we're all in some ways a bit broken by recent performances. And although Norwich was better, you'd expect better, but it also sort of gave us PTSD from last season. As you mentioned, it's like, Oh, finally. Okay. Now we look like maybe we can do something. Oh, it's the same problem that we had last year. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really been it. Parenting and not watching Brighton. Well, Let's talk about Brighton. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, we we weren't able to cover last week. So like we say, we've covered that pretty quickly. Um, don't want to delay and lag around on a nil-nil draw uh, against bottom of the league that should have been a lot better. Uh, when we have such a fun conversation to have uh, this week, we picked a good one to uh, actually be back in action. The Emirates, um, not exactly uh our our happiest place to go but arsenal are quite a good team for us to play i think we've won four drawn three lost three now um Potter's best the opposition this is his most favored most wins than anyone else against us is it uh-huh. that's a great stat um yeah and and it proved to be so right arsenal were phenomenal um at home this season like i said it's not it's not a great place for anybody to go uh, i believe that we were only uh, their fourth defeat this season. Uh, only Manchester City and Liverpool had had less. Uh, Liverpool, of course, unbeaten at Anfield. Um, we started off with a whole new side. Let's talk about that uh, because I don't think anybody on the timeline, uh, maybe in the changing rooms, definitely between us three, uh, knew just exactly what what lineup we were going to look like yesterday, what formation it was going to look like. And I think I got into half time uh, one nil up. And still unsure as to what the formation was exactly looking like. A um, couple of changes. Uh, Caicedo into the side, Basuma into the side, Mwepu into the side. 
Uh, I'm happy to have all of those back, uh, especially if Basuma is going to make some kind of effort. Um, Mope dropped to the bench. Lamptey dropped to the bench. Uh, Webster is on the bench, which is great. Uh, you know, what did, what did you make of that lineup other than just confusion? Yeah, it was a bit a bit dumbfounding, wasn't it? I, I didn't really understand where we were going with it. Um, I, it's always exciting when you have, obviously, Wepu coming in. We've spoken about it the last few pods around what he brings and that dynamism that, that he brings to the side and a bit of bit of effort up and down the pitch in the middle. Um, and then with Basuma and then Kaiseido, we we sort of we haven't seen too much of it, but we know he's a bundle of energy. So um, I didn't really know what formation we were playing, um, but I knew that it included a hell of a lot of up and down the pitch to try and outwork them a little bit. Um, so uh, I was looking forward to seeing that. Um, in hindsight, that's not how it panned out, um, but I, I think we we definitely benefited from that energy. Yeah, there was, um, like you say, the confusion was was paramount when we when we saw that lineup because you, you looked at it and you saw you're like, okay Kukureya dunk Veltman makes sense and then you looked at everyone else and you thought uh okay what exactly is this formation and and of course then Potter did what Potter does is partway through switched so we we started out with a five and I think it was basically wasn't it Trossard and Gross playing left wing back and right wing back that's what it's like to me. Mm. Not, not yeah. sure that would be my first pick. But again, on the other side, uh, let's also just balance the conversation out a little bit. Is that Arsenal, Arteta decided to start Granite Xhaka at left back um, and then realized around halftime what a horrendous mistake that he'd made. And I think he moved Martinelli back or uh, and, and then moved Xhaka back into his actual real position um, into sort of central midfield. And that helped them when they came out after the, you know, after the break and had a little bit of the front foot. But I think I was mostly excited. And Josh, you've been harping on about, like, you've been big on Mwepu. When he comes back, it'll make a big difference. And there was a lot of people in the Twitter sphere that, that doubted that. People saying, you know, Mwepu, we don't even know what he is. Has he been that impressive? He's not going to make a difference. And so you get to have them eat crow a little bit. And of course, yeah, Casado was a big, big win to see. Uh, and we'll talk about his performance, but wow, if he is half as good as he was yesterday for some of his career at his club, we we are in for a treat, and that's another gem that's been found. Yeah, um, well said. I, w- I was going to point out that that Jacka actually Arteta had the same issues uh, in terms of just about what he was playing. Uh, Jacka at left back, um, their central midfield was basically just Lukonga. Um <laughs> There was no one else. Uh, Odegaard, Rowe. Uh, they're not they're not exactly you know combative central midfielders, uh, and when you're placing them in a in a in a dogfight with Kaiseido, Basuma, and Webu, it was it was only going to end one way. Um, Lacazette, anonymous, really. Um, they they look most dangerous out wide, uh, and and when you ended up having to put Martinelli back, you you really then nullified that. They look better as a team, but Martinelli was really their their problem man yesterday i felt and moving him back a little bit helped us a lot i think um first goal one of those ones that i feel like we've seen an awful lot this season and last um and mope or trossard or whoever else skies that over the bar how how, how much heart was in your mouth when you saw that squared in um and and obviously big props to lewis dunk that ball in uh most centre halves just hoof that clear. He knew exactly what he was doing, uh, and it pulled it off to an absolute tee, getting that over to Mwepu. 
It's it's props to Mwepu being there as well. I like, you know, they covered it on the, the US commentary a little bit that, you know, they he stayed up and sort of gambled that that was going to come on that side. Um, again, a really good ball, but I think you're you're spot on, right? That <laughs> we, we've seen enough, like, especially with the Norwich game with, what, 30-odd shots and four on target. You know, statistically, you'd put your money on this going anywhere but the top <laughs> the top bins nearly. Um so yeah, it's it's just one of those. Um, but I think, like we've said before, you want that to fall to either Welbeck or Trossard because they're probably our two best finishers. So um, if it wasn't going to fall to Welbeck, that's pretty much the only other person I'd be comfortable with it falling to. Um, unfortunately, he just guided it into the back of the net. It's a solid finish. I feel like Mwepu started to carve himself a bit of a niche in that um, half of the time, I don't know if he truly means what he's doing. Um, and I say this with the greatest respect to him I feel like he was trying to pass this ball to Welbeck I feel like he was trying to square it to Welbeck I might be wrong about that Um, even so not to take away from the fact that he took a really nice touch from that it was a great ball from Dunn oh yeah Yeah. really good touch from Wepu he got his head up he saw that we for once I tell you what amazed me more than the finish we had like three people in the box can you believe that normally we've just got Mope just sort of skulking around the area not actually sort of diving in for the chance and then no one within about 40 feet um and we had multiple people in the box wow what a difference that made because one one of them actually got their their foot through it and yeah Trossard is yeah fresh off a couple of weeks back now at this point but a pretty stellar performance for the Belgian national team has thankfully carried some of that over to the league for us but yeah big big finish he looked very comfortable out wide didn't he yesterday uh not so much defensive work um <laughs> Kukurea worked overtime back there um but he looked very comfortable out wide again I thought I thought he looked I don't know whether that's where he played for Belgium this last two weeks I didn't get to see it uh but he looked he looked very happy out there um a lot more space for him than he was uh previously getting in the middle I I don't know I wouldn't be surprised if we started seeing him out there a little bit more often again and it's we we touch on this a few times, don't we? Where we like playing against teams that are going to play their own game against us. It, it gives those guys out wide a little bit more space because we are being, I guess, we're being pushed up on. Um, and the the possession stats alone will tell you yesterday in in terms of where we were with that. But you know, when when we're dominating games and everyone has sort of two banks of four, it's very hard for Trossard to get any space whatsoever because he is one of our danger men. Um, so when Arsenal start trying to play their own game and, and sort of um, push up on us and, and control the game, and when it does break to, to Mwepu, when it does break to Trossard, they do have an extra couple of yards. Um, and, it, and it shows that, you know, these are quality players that we're talking about. And if they have the space, they're able to do something with it. Yeah, uh, disallowed goal right on halftime, like minutes, seconds before the whistle was to be blown. Um, we in, we enjoyed a bit of back and forth on Twitter between Piers Morgan and, and Gary Lineker. Always nice to be the subject of their little feud. Um, <laughs> goal or no goal? Uh, for me, it looked about as blatant as it can get that he was only Sanchez was was in front of him, uh, and and even then barely. Um, for me, I, I can't believe it took four minutes for them to decide that. Uh, it looked like a clear offside to me. Uh, yeah. It, Sorry, it was offside. Yeah. It was just <laughs> simple as that. Uh, just because they couldn't properly get the perfect camera angle to show it. I mean, it's very clear that what you could see was Sanchez's foot. 
and what you couldn't see was Martinelli's. Um, and despite the fact that some people, um, including one of the ones that you mentioned, didn't really understand how the offside rule works, uh, it was it was offside. Yeah. <laughs> uh, having said that, though, God, we looked dicey in that first half against set pieces, and it was making me really nervous every time they got a corner, which felt like they had about four hundred or a free kick just outside the box. It was it that felt like it was sort of deserved in in, in some senses. So I'm glad we sorted that out a little bit later on in the game. Yeah. Looked shaky at set pieces, didn't we? All really day. Did. Yeah. It was it was always a worry. I think they what, had eight or nine corners in the end, and every single one seemed to cause a problem. Whether we were flapping at it or whether it sort of fell to the feet of Veltman, for example, um, we did look very shaky. I, I think, like like Adam said, it would have been just desserts if that was allowed because we were very shaky from them. Um, but it is offside, so. Uh, as as we said, I, I don't think everyone understands the offside rule on Twitter. So, um, so yeah. The the other thing to say though is is we we probably looked a little bit more shaky because we, we have lost a lot of height in that defence. Uh, we we've spoken about this before, but your your back line that you have right now, especially the three, I suppose if you want to call them that or whatever it was, um, they're not the tallest folk. Like Dunk's got the height there. Veltman's not a tall guy. Kukure is if you take away his hair, is not a tall guy. Um, it's We don't have that say. It's not like the, the golden days of playing Dunk and Duffy and then throw in a he who will not be named at Newcastle. Like That's a different proposition for set-piece defending. Yeah. Uh, and, and we went into half-time, I think, deservedly won a lot bar in that last five minutes where we really sat back. Um, second half, bit of a different story. Uh, up until the goal, which was 66 minutes, I think, uh, Arsenal had 72% possession. Um, but just like the Albion uh, against Norwich, couldn't do anything with it. They had four shots to our three and none on target. So a lot of the stuff they were doing was just classic Arsenal of old, just keeping the ball and not doing a great deal with it. Um, then comes the passage of play that's almost goal of the season worthy in in, in how slick it was. Um I mean, the, the one-touch passing, Caicedo's touch, run, ball in, just disgusting. Uh, and and, and Mwepu's finish was just unbelievable. Again, uh, similar to, to what Adam said, I've been saying this for a few weeks as well whenever I see him play. Like, I, I am forever convinced he is like our Premier League bass savage. Uh, he, he is, again, a player that I, I fully agree with you on, Adam. I'm, I'm never sure if he means it or not. Um, and again, yesterday... That, that strike and that finish was just so picture perfect. But I can't help but wonder if he fully knew what he was doing when he went in to hit that. Um, but what a goal it was overall. The the entire left-hand side play was just outrageous. Uh, and Caicedo doesn't look like he's he's had to make a step up at all from uh, from from the the very well-run beer shot uh, in, in Belgium. <laughs> It's, it's just, yeah, I mean, it's one of the goals of the season it will be because it's just the one two with Caicedo. Um, just, I think, I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he saw Mwepu at the edge of the box rather than putting it across the goal. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just so slick, so good. Um, we know our passing is intricate. It's just that it really lacks any impetus sometimes. Um, so having that sort of end result and having 
Caicedo trying to make something out of nothing. Um, uh, such a good finish too. I mean, again, benefit of the doubt, like hitting it on the half volley in that way, side foot. I mean, yeah, <laughs> he, he doesn't know how to celebrate. Um, but um, it was it was a really good goal. I was very happy. I tweeted this out, but the, the, what made it extra special was that I think it involved our, our four best players on the day yesterday. Um, it was Kukureya into Casado, Casado back to Kukureya, um, and and obviously the, the finish from um, Wepu. Who am I forgetting about in that equation? Trossard. Thank you very much. Um, just incredible interplay. Uh, if I don't care if we don't know what Mwepu means as long as he keeps doing it. Um, but you also saw the other side of that in the first half. I feel like he took a shot and it just went absolutely wild to nowhere. And you're going to get some of that with him. He's going to be a little bit up and down, a bit mercurial. Um, but we'll take that. And probably if it wasn't for a certain strike by Dimitri Payet in midweek, uh, that's probably goal of the week for me. But no one's beaten that that Payet shot. If you haven't seen it, go look that up. Yeah, you should. Um, Google it, Reddit it, whatever you need to do. Uh, that... <laughs> That was a pile driver. Um, absolutely outrageous. Uh, Alex and Alex in the chat, two different Alexes, I think, very happy. Yesterday was incredible. Uh, we're the best club in the world, which is a classic post-win statement there. Um, <laughs> ne- next week, it will be you couldn't we couldn't win a game in League Two. Uh, and uh, El Dude Brothers in the chat, hello. I uh, hope you're doing well. Um, as soon as we went to... I... I I don't feel like we fully fell onto the back foot until the subs were made. Do you? I thought we looked okay. As soon as we scored that second goal, I thought we continued playing pretty well. Um, it was only as soon as we made the the two changes, Wepu off and Pazuma off for Lalana and Lamptey, we seemed to go full uh, park the bus mode and really just turned attack versus defence. Um, and as Brighton are well known for, uh, the it was proper squeaky bomb time for that, that last... 12 well more like almost 20 minutes uh with the six minutes added on um and the goal of course which which really <laughs> caused some nerves um what did you make of the goal what did you make of the, the end did you think we were in trouble I, there was parts of it where i thought oh boy we are we're gonna come away from here with a point uh when i would have been delighted at, at kickoff and it's gonna feel like an absolute battering um by the time we get to full time Ugh, that would have been horrendous, wouldn't it? Because when you, when you with the, the flow of the game, if you come out of that with a point, uh, I also think you just think about how happy everyone is right now and how we feel. And Alex saying we're the best club in the world, that just perpetuates the bad feeling that we've had over the past what seven plus games. If you draw that game, because it just feels like we've got absolutely nothing about us. The goal was obviously complete crap. Uh, he just struck it. Who did it bounce off of? Was it? It's well back, unfortunately. Yeah, like I, it wasn't going. It wasn't going in if it wasn't for that deflection. Um, let's also not forget the fact that Sanchez pulled out an absolute stunner of a left-handed save um, at one point later, and then and, and saved saved the game. I think what was weird to me though was towards the end because we got. <laughs> when we got kicked while we were down was what six minutes of added on time, which I have no idea where that came from. Yeah. Do we even have a stoppage? Uh, I think you wanted, you guys mentioned that in, in WhatsApp while you were chatting. Um, we didn't, we didn't even have the full subs. We only had five out of the yeah, six. I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what went on. And, and, but what was funny to me, Arsenal just seemed like they had 45 minutes 
of stoppage time. <laughs> they just, you know, lob a little throw in, play it back. So they didn't put the ball forward. So it was sort of fortunate. Um, yeah, I, I, it felt horrible towards the end because it felt that there was inevitability that we were going to concede that second goal. But they hung on in there. And I think I genuinely think at this point, this is the game where it, it changes your perspective on the rest of the season. Some of the other results go the way that they have. Um, and you feel a little bit better now going into the rest of the fixtures. It's kind of kind of what you wanted, wasn't it? I think it's it's just you, the, the goals, obviously. But then there is an air of inevitability, especially being Brighton fans, that we will piss it. And, you know, there will be a last minute equaliser. And that's, we're, we're so used to that. And especially the the run that we've been on at the moment, it would have been so typical for, for that to happen. And, you know, we're, we're just trying to get out of this rut. And, and you could feel it that, you know, if that does happen, it's like, oh, great. You know, we, we saw that coming from a mile off. So the fact that we clung on, especially for those six minutes that came out of absolutely nowhere, um, and were able to hold on to it with relative comfortability. Like we said, there was nothing coming through the middle. There's a fluke goal in the 88th minute, makes for a bit of squeaky bum time at the end. But ultimately, um, you know, we'd sort of settled that and were, were fine. Um, I think it's going to be better in that dressing room that we held on um, at the end. Um, and I think it's going to feel like we are out of this rut. You know, we're, we're seeing we're the best club in the world. We're seeing that knee-jerk positive reaction now, a full spectrum shift uh, of what we've seen over the last two months. Uh, and all of a sudden, all is well in the world again. Um, but it, I think it's more important that we clung on and actually, you know, we're able to see that out because that's testament to, to what they're trying to do. And I think in the dressing room, we're going to take that forwards and hopefully have a good end to the season. Here's the downside. Sorry to cut you off, Josh. Is, no, you're is, fine. Um, we probably, regardless of what happened in this game, the next two games aren't pretty for us. So if we didn't fix it here, uh, yeah, we weren't going to fix it potentially until the end of this month against Southampton, who are truly a Southampton-esque season um, after yesterday's result. Uh, I don't know any any club that can be quite as polarising in their up and downs as them. But yeah, uh, it's... Spurs who battered us and then City. Um, yeah, that could have been a horrible run for us if we didn't get the three points here. Both also away from home, of course. Well, I think that uh, actually so favours us, to be honest with you. At this point, yeah. Uh, well, except at the Etihad, because I don't think anything is favourable playing Manchester City. But true. yeah, you're, you're right. You know, we've got three games very quickly back-to-back starting next weekend. Uh, a nice early morning for us here in the States. Uh, against Spurs, brilliant, yeah. hate it, uh, and then Manchester City in the midweek, uh, and then of course we finally get back to the set the Amex, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, uh, against uh, Saints. Um, big one to talk about as well. Before we get there is a point in the chat I do want to touch on as well, uh, but before we get to that, big win yesterday I thought was Adam Webster coming on, albeit for ten yeah. minutes. Um, boy oh boy, have we missed him in this run of six straight losses and a draw. Um, I say that Norwich didn't really do anything last week, but we missed him nonetheless uh, from set pieces as well uh, because he's he's a heck of a presence there, isn't he? Um, I would imagine that we'll be seeing him start next weekend. Do you? I hope so. I really do. Um, I, I think we always say on, on this pod week in, week out, he, he just brings something different to that team and, and we rely on him quite a lot to, to bring it out of that defensive third as well. So um, I sure hope that he starts next week. Um, he should do, uh, the, and the other pieces, I think we finally, after that little rest and that break, 
I think we saw the better part of Dunk yesterday, right? He didn't look as shaky as he had done in the previous X number of games. Um, bring back his, his partner in Webster, uh, and suddenly we don't look at that defence and go, this is an absolute liability. Yeah. Uh, Alex in the chat, was that our first ever Premier League win in April? Yes, it was. Um, unbelievable, really. Uh, what makes it worse is that April tends to be a makeup month as well. Uh, so we've probably played a fair few games uh, that we normally wouldn't have to, e.g. Manchester City this month. Um, so the fact that it is our first ever Premier League win uh, with with probably a bunch of fixtures being made up in the last five years, uh, not great. Uh, but we take it. Uh, it's it's peak Brighton, isn't it? Doing it away at the at the Emirates uh, <laughs> after they've had such a good home form and after what we've been going through the last six weeks or seven eight weeks, um, just about says it all. Uh, Alex as well in chat says hopefully they'll get rid of the dead seagull in the Amex before them. Two things can't decide if that's a real bird that's actually dead somewhere in the Amex and they want to get rid of it, or he's talking about the crowd. Uh, and then being dead, and he's hoping that they get rid of that aspect and get some more noise in the stadium. Um, I think that speaks a lot to how poor the atmosphere is at the Amex these days. That I'm not sure which one he's talking about. Um, so <laughs> prayers up to the dead seagull either way. Um, Player-wise, uh, let's talk about some of the others. Uh, I mean, I guess let's talk about the 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 debut taunt uh, man with the assist. Uh, Moises Caicedo, uh, all the way through, I tweeted out partway through, I thought he basically made Odegaard anonymous for about 70 minutes. Um, I thought he was just absolutely super. Uh, he clearly had a job to do um, on him, and he did it. Uh, and his his progressive passing, his progressive running, um, it, I, I'd read, uh, I think it was on The Athletic, maybe somewhere else, um, that Ecuador see him as the perfect number eight. Um, and he certainly put in that kind of performance yesterday, didn't he? Yeah, really good. I, it's just, yeah, really good to watch. Um, it's 20 years old, obviously already playing international football. Um, you know, clearly we've been giving him some time to adapt to, to the English Premier League or, or at least um, through a apocalyptic loan spell at Beershot. Um, but yeah, it, it looks like he's going to hit the ground running again. But again, we we can't. From a 20-year-old, we can't expect that week in, week out. We do need to give him some sort of wiggle room um, to have an off game here and there. We, we know this and, and we're aware of it. So from what we saw yesterday, turning up at the Emirates and, and making um, Odegaard, who's having a very good season, look bang average at best. Um, another really good sort of young player on our hands that, that will progress. Uh, he is the thing that we need. Uh, where we've talked before, where we have this wealth in abundance of midfielders that can sit deeper uh, and, and offer you something, whether it's breaking up play or creating passes. We don't have that many midfielders that can drive forward. And he can do a bit of both. Uh, you saw that with Kaseda and Mwepo are our two guys that can actually give you something more. They'll take a shot. They'll push up. Um and that was just very apparent in the game today. We lose a little bit from the solidity when we uh, with some of these players in the team compared to if you know, sat there with, oh, I know we don't have him now, but Moda and Dolana sat deeper in that midfield along with Basuma. Very different proposition. And it's just nice to have that flexibility to be able to switch it out. 
Um, and like you said, he's, he looked like he does a good job with interceptions and marking, um, even though he's a bit more of a slight guy. Really, really impressive performance. For me, I, I know we're not specifically talking man of the match just yet, but Mwepu, you, it has to be Mwepu. But Casado was close and, and Kukurea is just, just I always said it time and time again. But he, in some ways, he played two roles today. Because he got forward really well and he had to cover for Trossard that you hinted at earlier, Josh, as well. Um, it doesn't matter. The guy can play two positions. And I truly think, if it, well, I've said this before, I think he could play a slightly different role in this team if he wanted to. If we sat him in front of the back four and told him to play kind of like how Casado played, push forward, but also sit back when you need to when we don't have the ball. I think he could do that just as comfortably as playing on the, on the wing. I think my only concern and the only as a spoiler alert, as of right now, he's a shoe in for my player of the season. Um, and I, I don't think that's a particularly big surprise to anyone. So I don't mind saying it. Um, my only concern with him and the only, the only drawback that I've found from Mark Kukurea yet is he is the most left footed man I've seen ever. He is so left footed <laughs> that that's what worries me about playing more in the middle of the park is his his absolute either inability or just absolute refusal uh, to utilize his right foot on just about anything um, would yeah. be the only reason I would be concerned about that. Yeah, uh, you're probably right. It gives him a little bit of uh, literal one dimension, doesn't it? But um, I don't know. I, I, in an emergency situation or whether you want to give more game time to Solly because he obviously slightly gets sacrificed and he's been relatively good this season too, Solly March, right? Um, it's a shame that you, you have to start other players ahead of him just from a positional standpoint. And you know, we know what Potter's like. He wants players to have positional flexibility. He wants random, you know, Pascal Gross playing right wing back, Trossard playing left wing back. We need that flexibility. So it depends. It depends how, how the summer shapes up with faces we bring in, the faces that, that, that leave. He was due to come on yesterday, wasn't he? And I had to sit back down as soon as my boat popped that ball into the back. Pretty nice reason to have to sit back down, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, Craig, conversation in the chat. Do you think we should continue leaving Mopay on the bench? Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, as, as much as yesterday went well and, you know, we, we're talking about danger men of the four best players that Adam alluded to, um, one person that we haven't really heard a lot of as well back who I thought was quite ineffective in what we were trying to do. I, I don't think we, we needed him per se. It didn't look like we did. Um, but there was nothing of note that really Welbeck did that really changed the game or, or had any impetus. Um, he didn't really hold up play because we weren't looking to do that. Um, that's not his fault. We, we just weren't looking to hold up the play in the middle of the park. We were going wide where there was space. Um, but I think it probably will do more pay good if he does stay on the bench. Um, I feel that if you start changing this team up, and I think we, we should play the same team if we can, um, barring Wepu's injury, I hope it's not too bad. Um, but I think personally, I, I would keep him on the bench for the next game. He was shocking against Norwich. And he's been shocking in a lot. Uh, not just, oh, he's put in a good shift, but he's been shocking. Uh, and I know that we've tried to get away from putting the full blame on the striker position, putting it on Mope. Um, there's also the fact that, you know, you, you, you mentioned Welbeck not being particularly effective in the game. 
the system that we employ and the way that the style of play just doesn't really lend itself that massively to a, a striker that's just banging in goals constantly. And 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 Andy Naylor actually put a really good article out on the Athletic. Um, I feel like we promote the Athletic, don't we? we don't get anything. <laughs> we, we have to ask them for. I don't even subscribe. There you go, brilliant. Um, but <laughs> it, it, it was titled "Just How Bad Is Brighton Shooting?" and and the title picture was just Mopé with his, his hands on his head. Um, but point being, the big takeaway from it was that we we have a higher tendency to shoot. We're about eighth or ninth in the overall Premier table. Um, so we shoot a lot, but we shoot from terrible areas. Um, these long distance shots, and we, we don't, I don't need to tell people, you've seen them with your eyes. Um, that's the big problem. We, we rarely get strikers into positions where they've even got half a chance. And the problem with Mope, though, is that when we finally do make that happen, I think if that ball from Wepu comes to him instead of Trossard yesterday... He probably misses it, probably shanks it, and that's the that, and that's the margin that changes the game. Maybe you don't get the offside decision with Martinelli, you lose against Arsenal. That is a liability that we can't afford to have in this team right now. Especially when you're trying to break that rut as well, right? You, you've got someone that's shot of confidence that really isn't playing to the game that we know that he can play at, and so it's not. It's akin to a timeout, really, isn't it? Like, you know, the back, back stronger, as, as Crouchy would say. But it it's just one of those things, isn't it, where this this clearly isn't working. Um, you've had a, a, a tough period of games where it just hasn't been happening for you. And for the betterment of the team, something needs to change in that respect. Um, so hopefully, you know, he, he comes back from it. Um, you know, refresh mindset, comes back a little fresher. Um, but for now, I think he stays on the bench. Yeah, it, it lends itself to a player that's happy to create as much as they are to score, right? Um, and and Welbeck has zero assists this season. Uh, Mopé, two. Um, Dennis Undav, nine. Um, clearly, there's an idea there uh, as to why we're bringing him in. Uh, other than the fact that he's banged in like a million goals, um, he's clearly happy uh, being a creator, too. Uh, if you go on who scored and, and a couple of the other websites, his his main strengths not only is finishing, uh, for off, obviously, uh, but his through balls, his key passes, um, he's he's a, he's just as important in the build-up as he is in front of goal. Um, and we're missing that massively. Uh, we're missing that massively throughout the team, really. Uh, I saw an absolutely outrageous stat that I, ju- I just looked at myself. Uh, Enoch Mwepu. Only Alzate, Connolly, now it's gone. Uh, Steele, Caicedo, Sarmiento, Taylor Richards, Ferguson, and Lacardia have played less minutes than Wepu this season. So half of them are gone. Uh, one of them got like a full season injury. Um, one of them spent half the season at Beershot, and the other one's a backup goalkeeper. Uh, and he has more assists than anyone else on the team. Yeah. People called him flop, though, weren't they? And and Justice has put in the in the YouTube chat as well. Let's not forget that little cut scene uh, where <laughs> he honestly looked like it was it was something you would expect from a, from a, a Messi. Uh, where he absolutely murked two Arsenal players, pulled off a little nutmeg and just cantered forward. It just pulled up on my Twitter feed as well. I just saw it. I was like, if Adam doesn't mess, if you don't mention it now, I will. But yeah, uh, unbelievable. I, even even Caicedo as well, and, and we're talking about sort of that presence in the midfield with Mapu and, and Caicedo, you know, they, they've got tricks in them as well, right? They can get out of tight spaces and then they can drive forward from there. And I think that was the difference, like, especially yesterday, where you, you get it out wide and then all of the, like, especially those two, just drive forward and get the bodies out forward to the pitch. And it helps that Arsenal are 
doing a high press, so there's more space in behind. But to have those sort of people push forward and and create that space, not only helped them both and helped us win the game, but also allows Basuma to do what he wants as well, who I thought was actually improved yesterday. Yeah, where, he was. Where he? he was solid in that foundation of the defensive mid, and that was his job, right? Kaiseido and Weppo, you up and down, bound it, make as much space as you can, leave Basuma to do his defensive clearing up, and I, I thought he was much better as a result. I I hate this because I've seen it a lot, but I I want to say it anyway. A lot of this last three weeks since we last did a podcast, I've seen an awful lot of people on Twitter going through the training pictures going, they look happy, not, like, because they aren't daring to smile for the camera uh, midway through probably, like, being tired out from a practice or whatever they're doing. Um, but he looked happy yesterday, didn't he? He looked happier than I've seen him for a while, Bizuma. Uh He looked like he was very comfortable playing the role he was playing. He looked like he didn't. He looked like he put his foot in where he usually should be putting his foot in. Um, and I thought that whatever these two these two guys next to him are doing, your your Wepus and your Kaisados, they're they're playing into his strengths. And he looked he looked happier yesterday. He looked like he he was he was good doing what he was doing. And and I don't know about whether he walked off right at the end. I don't know any of that stuff. Um, but he just he just looked like a more comfortable player yesterday. Maybe he just needed to get his head in the game. Maybe it is the people he's playing next to. Uh, but he he looked he looked more more like the old self yesterday. I thought. Well, they cla- they claimed that he was sick or whatever in the lead up to the Norwich game, and that's why he was on the bench. So may- maybe he was carrying something. Maybe he wasn't. But but whether it was his head or whether it was his body that was slightly unhealthy, uh, yeah, it was a different proposition yesterday. It wasn't old Basuma, as in it wasn't far and away the best player on the pitch, which is what we had grown accustomed to, but he wasn't crap, which is what we'd seen recently. <laughs> and and to, the, to the point of these players being happy, right? We just come off a seven game or well, six game losing streak. It, and these are ultimate competitive people. It could be that she's, he's not happy with losing week in, week out. So, you know, there's also that aspect to it. I know we've seen a, do- a dip in performance from him, but there is a mentality side to this game and, and losing six in a row should have an impact on you as a competitive footballer. Um, I, I'm just happy that this is hopefully the start of coming out of that rut, not just for Basuma, but for a number of these players where we can see some confidence get back into them. Yeah. yeah. Well, we did break the duck yesterday, right? We, we scored not just one, but, but two goals from open play, a... a <laughs> a magnificent feat that we hadn't actually uh, overcome since February against Watford. And does it really count against Watford? Um, (laughs) I'd argue no. (laughs) Right. So that's, then you've got to look even further back. Uh, There's something I don't want to, the performance was amazing, but there is something about Arsenal where we, we suddenly go above and beyond. Because I, I, I said this last time, for me, even though we didn't win the game uh, back in, I think it was, what, October at home, that nil-nil draw against Arsenal for me was our highest quality performance, even if we didn't actually put the ball in the net. Probably outside from maybe the second game of the season against Watford, where we absolutely destroyed them. But again, it's Watford. Does it really count? Um and then we go ahead today, and I think probably would would anyone else argue? I think the only other way you could probably say that maybe a better or 
better outcome performance was was maybe that draw at two two at Liverpool. I'm not sure whether you guys have got a different game, but probably this was arguably our best game of the season. Result performance, um, especially the context, uh, and yeah. it's Arsenal again. Um, maybe hopefully we can do that against you know another team. That would be nice. I mean, we're not bad against Spurs. We don't. I don't feel like we've ever been utterly embarrassed by them. the FA Cup uh, game. I would probably say other than that, yes. sort of an embarrassment. Yeah, um, but. Yeah, I, I think it's a Potter thing too, right? Like, I think even under Hutton, we had a good record against Arsenal. Obviously, speaks for itself. Uh, but Potter himself enjoys playing Arsenal, uh, whichever yeah. team he's on, doesn't he? Um, whatever it is about the way we're set up, both before and after, and currently during Potter's reign, just seems to lend itself for us to cause Arsenal all kinds of problems. Um, you love it. Another player that that is not being given very good ratings on your your sofa scores and your FB refs and all of that stuff. But one that passed the eye test for me yesterday, uh, he played just about everywhere in that front third, uh, but he sure did like that false nine position. I thought Alexis was excellent yesterday at doing everything. I feel like he was the pass before the pass almost every time. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought he was excellent. He played where I think we've been asking Trossard to play in recent months. Uh, but on his own, he actually got to do it alone this time instead of being crowded out there. Um, and I thought he did a really good job yesterday. I thought he just broke up uh, that kind of... He basically just gave Lukonga a problem all day uh, because he was all on his own. Um, and he faded a little bit once Xhaka was able to reinforce him. But I thought he played really well. Yeah, the, the pass before the pass pretty much sums it up. He, he was the one, I think, that was the, the fifth player involved in that first build-up, the build-up to that second goal. He was the one that initially um, gave the ball to Kukure or Trossard. Uh, I think when he doesn't try to put the game on his back, the game acts as this sort of metronome. In some ways, to me, he's better positioned to be a further-up-the-pitch version of Lalana. Um, obviously very different style of players, but can just spread the ball out and make something happen. They don't need to be the center of attention, but they can orchestrate. Um, that's a good spot for him to be in as opposed to, we need you to be, uh, you know, Walmart brand messy. Uh, that's, uh, that's a, b- a bit of an ask. Hell of a game that's happening between Norwich and Burnley at the moment, by the way, which is who knows what's happened with this relegation battle. I was about to say, uh, Burnley have a very favorable running, um, you would think that of those teams at the bottom prior to yesterday, uh, that Burnley were probably going to be the favourite of those four to stay up. Everton then beat Manchester United. Cristiano gets upset, smashes some kid's phone, drama all over the place. <laughs> yeah. And then Norwich have just gone 2 0 up against Burnley with four or five minutes to go. Um, Cornet apparently and, missed an absolute guilt edge chance too. I've heard that too. Thanks to my fantasy team, brilliant. It's my fault. Um, <laughs> I've got Veghorst as well. So yeah, uh, joining you on that one. Um, yeah, I mean, it's getting a whole lot harder. They're, they're essentially just playing spoiler at this point, aren't they, Norwich? Then they're not really going to stay up barring an absolute miracle run. Uh, but they sure are dragging Burnley down with them because um, that's an absolute killer result for them. I mean, yeah. speaking of which, with the table, I mean, we're up to 11th, 37 points with a, a very tough run in. Um, 
But again, it's it's amazing how one game can sort of change everyone's perspective on things, right? You know, we've got one point from seven games. All of a sudden, we we go to the Emirates and win, and all of a sudden, we're at eleventh, and everything looks rosy again. There's a. I feel like the results this weekend, especially, have thrown even more chaos. Even the the ones as we're talking right now. I mean, you've got. I don't think anyone would have called Brentford West Ham. Brentford winning 2-0 they're a very different proposition under the the, the Christian Eriksen lightning rod that's, that's sort of happened because um, they went through a real slump didn't they Brentford mm. uh, now they're pretty much in and around where we're at right they're 13th one point behind us they played an extra game it's a really weird table between 10th and 16th it's separated by four points uh, We so we could end up Pretty much anywhere. I, I, we've got enough points at this point. I think we can. I don't want to. I'm touching wood and stuff around me. But I think that the relegation battle is is really it's that bottom three, and then hopefully you know they can claw at Everton a little bit. It's now whether can we do can we do the unthinkable and finish tenth, or do we finish sixteenth? There, all of those possibilities are open. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I don't think there's any prizes for man of the match this week. Uh, I think for me, Mwepu is the obvious shoo-in. Uh, I mean, it just feels silly to even really contemplate who else could possibly be on there. Um, Kaiseido, I thought, played well. Kukurea, excellent. But a goal and an assist to his name uh, after coming back. Awesome. Um, went off with a bit of a knock, uh, but he was also selected for post-match presser. So I think he wasn't that hurt because... Uh, Generally, they tend to keep people like that out of it if they if they've got even just a slight knock uh, to make sure they're icing it or whatever. Um, so the fact that he was picked up for the post match stuff makes me feel a little bit more confident that he might well be just fine, just be a genuine knock. Where's he knock on the door in the chat? This is his this is his day. Just like to shine. Oh, <laughs> it is. is. He's still on his weekend bender as a, yeah, as a, yeah, as a celebration. So. Third bottle of Moet. <laughs> plot, plot twist: It is Mabu. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I hope it isn't anything too bad. I think, like you said, like it's just he brings something to the team that we don't typically have. Um, we we saw it. Um, yeah, let's hope it's not too bad. I tell you what, what is bad though is obviously what we'll get onto this. I know that Alex is messaging the chat here, but we should probably talk about Moda. We haven't had a chance to talk about that horrible outcome. Mm. Um, yeah. What is that? It's what six, seven months. From what? And there's a there's an account that started to crop up a little bit more. I'll, I'll give him a shout out, Doctor Rajpal Bra of of at three CB Performance put out a video uh, on Moda's injury, basically saying that it's a pretty bad ACL rupture. Uh, and from that video, uh, it seems like he's saying he's not really going to be back until the next. The, the the somewhere deeper in the twenty three season, um, that's what he was saying. Like a long time because there's the recovery, but then he's got all the rehab that comes along with it. What's awful for him as well is that he's he's playing pretty well for Poland. Ah, I was about it's to say, yeah, horrible situation for him to for him to miss the World Cup as well, especially when they literally just qualified as well through the through the playoffs. Um, that's that's the kicker for. Well, I mean, for the person himself, that uh, you, know, you you get to the World Cup, you help your country get to the World Cup, and then a week later, you you have a pretty severe rupture of your ACL, and all of a sudden, that that 
doesn't look realistic anymore. It's yeah. gutting, really. I feel for the guy. Another reason to hate the cursed winter World Cup, because if it's the summer, he's probably making that. Mm. Let's talk about that real quick, actually. Uh, battle of the of the green card versus the homeland. Um, we draw the <laughs> USA again uh, in the uh, in the in the groups. Um, not sure we could have had a more favourable group for England, could we? In that World Cup draw, um, given the way they mess around with, you can't have two African clubs in this and two whatever clubs here and there. Um, I hate that it's going to be a Winter World Cup. Um, but we are probably going to be talking about it more than any World Cup that I probably, if, if we can do this podcast for over 40 years, we probably won't be talking about it again not as much as this because it's going to be smack bang in the middle of the season. Um, I mean, how nice is that for for England's group draw? Looks good, yeah. Uh, I mean, considering how well that, I guess the national team is playing at the moment. I don't think we'll have any qualms in that group. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think you could have made it any better for us really. Um, but then again, touching all the wood around me and, and the, it, <laughs> it might not go that way. We, we saw that before. Um, just a, a shout out to England USA the day after Thanksgiving as well for us. Um, that makes it a lot easier for us. Yeah. I, I'm, I really wanted the USA in the group. Same. Um, and then we've got the added potential ridiculousness that uh, potentially it's, it's it's Scotland or Wales as well, right? Or, or Ukraine. You've got Iran's the other team. There's a lot of sort of geopolitical narratives in this. <laughs> um, so I should, but footballing wise, if we don't come out on top of that group comfortably with the ability to to switch in and out players, give people rests big it's it's almost seems ridiculous at this point though to even speculate about things because the the level in which players can fall in and out of form normally we'd be talking now and saying you know what harry kane's playing some of the best football he has thank god because he was playing horrendous the last you know a few months back but it's not for seven months <laughs> like he could be in his because he has those horrible like what is it august or september where he never scores he could be crap again then you know like it's it's difficult for us to really even speculate and players that maybe aren't even properly on the radar being in the england squad could come out in the start of the premier league season there could be a player that moves from one team to another and starts playing incredibly well that is on the plane that we aren't talking about now so it's really it's it's a weird situation i think the, the worst thing about it for me is the part of the special thing about Europe, like European or World Cups is you get to you get to go crazy and sort of drink outside and it's summer and everything's awesome. Mm. Craig, you're going to be in the pits of a Chicago winter. Like we're going <laughs> to people are going to be crammed inside, but it's not the same vibe. It just isn't. There's other holidays happening. Taking it, it's just a, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's I'm like that six months of the year anyway, so I'm kind of used to it by now. But, uh, but yeah, you're you're right. There's there's that lack of um, I guess just anticipation. You know, I think the 2018 World Cup was like one of the best summers in the UK for me, and yeah. um, just an incredible time. But you know, like you said, you people are gonna have their Christmas trees up. Um, watching watching the World Cup, it's gonna feel very very strange. 
I can't believe the teetotal Qataris didn't consider the British binge drinking culture <laughs> in there. <laughs> it's, it's quite, it's quite rude. Actually. Hosting. Yeah, so, it really is. It really you say is. that we, I mean, we were here for the Euros this year, this Euros, and there was a lot of Americans hammered in my pub that I went to when we were uh, in the final, they were blitz. Um, so, and they don't even have a dog in the fight. There was one lad in an Italian, like top, the classic American that says he's oh, Italian. Oh, yeah, they're, they're, like, they're, they're either Irish or Italian, Italian, depending who's on the world stage at the time, yeah. Of course, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, let's talk about the last thing before we bounce. Probably uh, Alex in the chat, can we only play well against good clubs uh, when we're punching above our weight? I think this is something we've talked about at length, actually, uh, especially over this last two months. Craig, you already touched on it in this pod in particular. Um I think the answer to that is one we've been given. We've given a lot. Uh, we we play better against clubs that are not afraid to play uh, their game against us. Um, play teams that want to come out, want to attack, uh, want to go toe to toe with us. We tend to play better against those sorts of teams. Uh, it lends itself to a lot more open space uh, for us to to do what we want to do. Um, and I think that, especially away from home, um, clubs are always going to be more assertive. Uh, for us whenever we're going away. Uh, and I think that, again, that just lends into probably why our away form is better than our home form. Uh, because when we come to the Amex, you'll have Saints in, t- in a week's time, two weeks' time. Uh, Saints will come to the Amex and they will set up shot to frustrate and hit us on the counter-attack uh, with your Che Adams uh, and 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 your, your your rapid players and your wall of brow set pieces. That's, that's what they will do. Uh, that's what we will struggle to break down. Uh, I I would predict us more to get a result against Spurs than I would against Saints at this point in time. I'll I'll throw in my contrary counterpoint that we mentioned before is in some ways this narrative of playing well against, uh, or let's say getting results against the bigger teams was much more a thing last year. Um, And we had all the XG thing going on. This year, though, you just have to look at the results. We talked about this before. For the actual teams we've got three points out of this year, remove the Arsenal game yesterday from your minds just for two seconds. Watford, Everton, Brentford, Leicester with a bit of luck on our side, Brentford again, Watford again, Burnley. Most of those sides are currently embroiled in a relegation battle. Um, so, so yes, it does feel to the eye test a lot of the times. We play really well against the bigger teams because they, they come out more. But results-wise, we've beaten teams that are worse than us this season, pretty much. And we've lost, or there's an appearance of the count on the camera, nice. Or we've yeah. lost against the bigger teams. So, yeah. And that's exactly it. Like, we play well, we still lose. <laughs> the Arsenal game was the exception to that yesterday, thankfully. Um, despite the, the the alarming end to the game that was really outside of the Leicester game, the first time we walked away from a game against a real top top six side and got three points this year. It was really outside the stereotype, wasn't it? Less possession, less shots, and come away with um, a really good win. And all of a sudden, um, everyone's feeling good again. So uh, it, it definitely helps. It's crazy what you do when you cross balls into multiple players in the box. They take shots from inside the the, the keeper's area, um, and then you get one right on the edge of the box, and, and they go in. It's it's mental as opposed to peppering the stand behind the goal from forty yards out. 
with a wild shot that you've taken 45 passes to build up to. Or, or crossing it in multiple times nothing. to a, a singular person <laughs> in the box. Uh, so, definitely different. Yep. Yeah, uh, two teams in great form at the minute as well. Uh, Spurs coming up. They've only lost one of their last six, um, and that was against Manchester United. Odd. Um, that was that 3-2 game. Uh, and then, obviously, Manchester City, uh, who are currently top of the table. Um, we're going to wrap up here in a minute. Uh, go get yourselves a uh, drink, beer, wine, coffee, whatever you fancy, depending on what time of day it is. Uh, and uh, settling down uh, for the big one uh, at 4.30 UK time, uh, half past 11 in the morning here. Uh, Manchester City versus Liverpool um, should be a belter. Um, I'm going to the MLS game today. That was a bad time thing uh, against Atlanta United. So that should be interesting. You couldn't really be yeah. watching more uh, of a sort of different grade of the opposite <laughs> end of the spectrum. Like the, the highest peak of, of footballing prowess is on display and you're going to watch essentially... Mid-table league one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Part-time football players, yeah. Yeah, um, uh, I'm, I'm recording it. I'm, not, I'm just going to avoid spoilers and just watch it when I get home. Uh, the wife, I'm sure, will be delighted with that decision uh, oh. that I've made without her <laughs> consultation. Um, but uh, as a fun thing, I went to Dallas uh, shortly after I got back from the UK for mm. WrestleMania. Um, so I left my wife on her own for six days. Uh, she watched 22 episodes of Married at First Sight Australia in six days. <laughs> There's 22 episodes? To 37. Wow. So... If I'm going to watch that, I'm going to watch it. I think uh, I don't think there'll be too much room for argument um, <laughs> after that embarrassing statistic that I've just shared to the world for it. Yeah, that sounds like an alarming use of, of time. <laughs> uh, here we are. I, 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 funny, but the people that are going to be listening to this after the fact, probably early next week, Monday, Tuesday, is going to feel probably silly that we're discussing this game now and that always these big drummed up games where there's lots of expectations invariably it'll be some nil nil shit show where it's very unimpressive and it doesn't answer any questions but here's hoping it's been different to the people listening after the fact yeah yep agreed uh that's that's about everything uh we've got time for here i think i think we've covered just about everything we needed to um busy week next week so get your rest uh everybody listening because we've got three back-to-back uh, classic makeup games in April, um, Spurs, Man City, and then Saints to finish off the month. Um, lots to take a look at there. Two very highly, highly strong teams, uh, and then one that's right next to us could uh, could well decide our position by the end of the year uh, as to whether we're going to finish above or below Saints. I suspect um, with the with the weird ass form that they show. So, thank you, Moose, for continuing to absolutely harass <laughs> my camera and microphone. Um, but yeah. Uh, if, if anybody's got anything else, uh, say it now. Otherwise, we're good to go. All good for me. Happy with three points. Terrified of Spurs. But let's keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> Very succinctly well put to end. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well said, fellas. All right. Have a good week, everybody. Uh, here's to hoping this game after the pod uh, is good or you had a good time watching it whenever you end up listening. Uh, be safe. Have a good week. Cheers all. Cheers, guys.